0: We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church, Edith Burke. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. Well, how are, how are you today? Are you well? Yeah, you're well. That's good. That's good. Uh, we've been talking about uh, being Christ-like. Uh, Darren unpacked this right back in uh, uh, the end of January, actually. And You know, I love all the news resolutions and... and it's always about what we do and what we can achieve. I'm, I'm big on goals. I like goals. But what if we had a, a focus as believers on not what we do, not what we achieve, even though that has its place, but who we want to be, who we want to be. And because what I want to do and achieve changes all the time, actually, uh, sometimes quite quick if I don't do it. Uh, um, if I fail at my resolution, I'll change it very quickly. I uh, either make it easier or completely different. But who I want to be as a Christian actually never changes because I want to be like Jesus. And I don't know about you, but it, it takes me, it's going to take me a little while. And it's actually going to take God a little while because I'm a little bit stubborn sometimes and a little bit hard. And, but something God does in us to become more like Jesus, and that's God's plan for us to know God and become like Jesus and have His way in us and through us. So this is what we're unpacking. Uh, just, it's, it's kind of an overarching theme, and it really should be of everything we do. How we be Christ like in, in church, in in our family, in our community, in our in our workplaces, in our neighbourhood. How we be Christ like? What does that look like? And so I just want to unpack something today, and we're just going, going to read from Matthew twenty-two, verse thirty-six, and it says, "Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses?" Uh, if you don't know about the law of Moses, there's lots and lots and lots of commandments and instructions. And so this guy probably thought he was asking a really intelligent question, probably thought he was going to trip up Jesus. And this is what Jesus had to say. He says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love. Love. Love the God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and love each other, love your neighbour. And farmers or someone on a rural property, your neighbour isn't just your neighbour, really the context is your neighbour is everyone, even people who you don't like and disagree with, God forbid. And, uh, and so it's pretty overarching. Uh, so really it's love God and love everyone, is what Jesus is explaining in this. And I don't know, but sometimes loving people and even loving God can be tricky can be hard. And uh, what does it even look like? What does it even look like to love God with all our mind, our soul, our heart? What does it look like to love our neighbours? And uh, to be Christ-like is to love God and love our neighbour. You know what makes it even trickier is sometimes we have really different interpretations of what love is in our world. There's all, lots of different kinds of love. And uh, love that sometimes is more like hurt. And everything in between. So we're told to love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and love our neighbour. And sometimes that just seems a little bit intimidating to me. And we're actually going to rewind a bit today. And uh, we're going to touch on those eventually, but not today. And I just want to read 1 John 4. I'm going to start at verse 7. And it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. It's not what he does, it's who he is. It's his character, it's his being, God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. That means there must be love that isn't as real. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and His love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in Him and He in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the saviour of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but where we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. Such love has no fear. Because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is, not, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. A lot of love. God is love. We love each other because he loved us first. Love comes from God. God showed how much he loved us. This is real love. Before we love each other, before we even, I think, love God, I think we've got to just start to scratch the surface, begin to understand and experience how God loves us. Now it even says there, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So I think at a time I'll unpack what loving God of all our heart, soul and mind, what loving our neighbour looks like, but today I just want to put that to the back burner and I just want to talk about God's love for you and me, for humanity. And by no means are we going to be able to summarise the entirety of it. Because I don't think I'll ever be able to. Because I think as soon as I, I discover something, I'll discover something even better, even more incredible about God's love. Because remember, it's not just what He does, it's who He is. So to be able to define God's love is to be able to define God. And I don't think I'll ever be able to define God, the King of kings, Lord of lords, the one who created the world, because He is love. But we're just going to scratch the surface a bit, and, because it might be different to what we assume. Might have been different to what we've been taught somewhere. And at the end, what we're going to do, we're going to have communion. And we're going to remember actually the greatest act of love, the greatest illustration of love, which is the cross. This says, this is real love that he laid down in his life. It's actually the perfect illustration of love, is the cross. And then what we're going to do, we're going to worship, and I'm going to pray this prayer over us. And it's a prayer from Ephesians 3:17 that says. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. That sounds like a good prayer. I might pray now. God, your church here, your Lord of our lives. God, is an open heaven. Your presence is here today. We're here with expectation, ready to meet with you. God, just come and meet us. Come and fill us afresh. Come and pour out your love today. Help us understand and experience your love, because when we understand and experience your love, we understand and experience you, for you are love. Before we even think about loving you, loving others, we need to know and experience your love. So I pray that it is poured out and revealed in abundance today, in the name of Jesus, amen. Just a few uh, thoughts about what God's love is today, and uh, God's love is sacrificial. God's love is sacrificing. Matthew 20, verse 25. I haven't got all these verses, Andrew. You'll just have to listen closely today. And, uh, <laughs> but Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord over the people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give His life as a ransom for many. 1 John 4.10, this is part of the passage I read before. This is real love, not that we love God, but He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Jesus, God Himself, served and sacrificed for you and me. God's perfect real love is a sacrificial love. You know, at no point was Jesus forced to lay down his life. At no point was Jesus forced on that cross. Think of the miracles Jesus performed. Uh, Feeding the 5,000, walking on water, raising dead people back to life. I I think if, if God himself could do those things, I think he could have gotten himself out of that situation if he wanted to. But Jesus, God himself, sacrificed to lay down his life so we could have victory he laid down his life to take sin and death onto himself so we could have victory over sin and death god is love and his love is sacrifice you know it's really important we understand that that god and jesus are one in john 1 verse 1 it says in the beginning the word already existed the word was with god and the word was god here the word is referencing jesus So you could say in the beginning Jesus already existed, that Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. This is important to know because at the scene on the cross, God isn't at a distance spectating Jesus on the cross. God isn't up in heaven sending Jesus down to do the dirty work. That's not how it works. God and Jesus are one. And so when Jesus came to earth, God came to earth. When Jesus laid down his life, God laid down his life. God isn't a passive spectator sending Jesus to fix the the issue with sin. God himself came to deal with sin to give us life, to restore us. God himself came to sacrifice. You know, I'm sure everyone here loves someone. And you know a part of love is sacrifice. It might be a spouse, it might be a partner, a child, a relative, a friend. And at some point you would have sacrificed for someone you love. Sacrifice time, money, effort, resources, I think of my children, I've sacrificed much. Sleep, money, watching sport on TV. I joke, but you know what I mean. When you love someone, you sacrifice for them. And that's just a picture of what God does. He sacrificed for you and me. That's incredible. That's what God's love is. Another part of God's love, God's love is selfless. God's love is completely selfless. We can take that down, thanks, Andrew. God's love is not self-serving. It isn't looking out for his own interests. God's love is completely selfless, completely for our benefit. It's not self-protecting. It's not self-serving. God's love is 100% selfless. It's for us. Uh, It's illustrated in a really, I think, incredible and unique and a little bit scandalous story in a book called Hosea in the, in the Old Testament. And Hosea was a prophet, and then God instructed Hosea to go and marry a prostitute. That's scandalous now, just as much back then. That hasn't changed in time. And uh, imagine, imagine the temple chat that week about Hosea. And he, and he went and married this prostitute, and her name was Goma. And it went all right for a while. And I can imagine it would have been a little bit awkward to begin with, but I'm sure they would have got to know each other. I'm sure they would have uh, amended some things, maybe some healing came. And then we read in a book that Gomer actually left Hosea and went back to her previous life of being a prostitute. And then the story gets even more uh, unique and scandalous because Hosea goes and brings her and actually buys her back into the marriage and it seems like that's just what does that even it's the illustration of God's love for you and me that God loves us so much and his love is for us and even when we turn even when we walk away even when we fall away his love continues and brings us back home restores us it's completely selfless You know, you read all about God's selfless love in Luke 15. The lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. Again and again, God goes to find those who are lost. Again and again, God goes to find those who have fallen. Again and again, God goes to find you and me. A selfless love. God's love is so selfless. You know, God's love brings life. Uh, Ephesians 2.4, it says... So God can point to us in all future ages as an example of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness towards us as shown in all He has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by His grace when you believe and you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus Jesus We can do so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He has given us life. He has created us anew. John 10.10 says, A thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give life a rich and satisfying life. God's love brings life. God's love makes us anew. See, when we come to Jesus, we're not just restored and forgiven, end of the story. But God's love continues. See, when we make a decision to follow Jesus, whatever that looks like, however that happens, it's just the beginning. See, God constantly wants to bring us anew, constantly wants to bring life into our lives. Because we were raised with Jesus. We have victory with Jesus. And what he did on the cross when he rose from the grave, as he has given life, we are given life. And he wants to make us anew. Now, God wants to do new things. He wants to bring life in you and me, in our bodies, in our minds, in our marriages, in our, in our children, in our family, in our friendships, in our workplace, in our dreams, in our passions. God wants to bring new life, new life and new. In you today, God wants to do something new. If there's something that seems dead, God wants to bring life to it. This is what he does. His love brings life. Remember, the, the cross is a perfect example of love, and the cross brings life. If something seems dead, it isn't too dead for Jesus. He brings life. I'm, I'm believing as we pray and, and worship God at the end and pray for his love, I'm praying that things come to life. You know, God's love is selfless, it's sacrificial, it's it brings life. But God's love is, is a relationship and communion with God. Romans 8.15, it says, So you have not received His Spirit and make you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father. Hebrews 4.16, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. See, God is Lord Almighty. He is the King of kings, Lord of lords. He did create the world. He is above all and in all. He is is the beginning and end. He is the author. He is all those things, but he's also so close and so near. Romans says that, uh, called Abba Father. Best translation to Daddy. That all-powerful, all-incredible God. It says when we... Know his love, we're, we're children of God. And not a child off to the side, not a slave. So when we think of Lord, we think of a master, and, and he is powerful, but he's a, he's a relational, he's a loving, perfect father who brings us in as sons and daughters. So we can come boldly and confidently into his presence. Now, when I go to the shops with my girls, Myra especially, she just asks for anything. And she doesn't get everything. But she's comfortable to ask. She probably gets more than she should. But she's comfortable to just ask, to say, to do. See, when, when, you, when you know that you're a child of God, when you know His love, you can come into God's presence anytime. You don't have to convince Him to, to listen to you. You don't have to convince God to talk to you or to meet with you. He's there ready, a perfect Father. Love is relationship. There's no distance. He is so close and so near. That's incredible love. You know, God's love is is unifying. In Ephesians two thirteen, it says, "But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now have you brought near to Him through the blood of Christ." for christ himself has brought peace to us he united jews and gentiles into one people in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us he did this by ending the system of the law and its commandments and regulations he made peace between the jews and the gentiles by creating in himself one new body from the two groups together as one body christ reconciled both groups to god by means of his death on the cross I don't want to go into it a whole lot, but when Jesus raised uh, from the dead, ascended to heaven and the church began to grow, there was friction between the Jews, the people of Israel, and the Gentiles, everyone else. And what Paul is saying here is, actually, you're all united in Jesus, you're one. And so the love of God actually unifies us. And here today, uh, whoever we are, whatever our background, whatever our theology, uh, whatever our race, our gender, our history, our mistakes, our successes, we're united in one by Jesus, by God's perfect love. Wow. God's love covers so much more. That cross is so powerful. Last one, God's love is expressed. Think of love for a moment between each other. If you love someone, you express it. I would say, if you don't express it, maybe that love needs a bit of work, or maybe it's, yeah, I'll leave it there. And you might do it in different ways. It might be words, it might be time, it might be gifts. It could be a number of different ways, thoughts, prayer, I don't know. But when you love, you express it. You do something. Love isn't silent. It's not passive. Love is expressed. 1 John 4, 9, the passage we read at the start, God showed how much he loved us by sending his son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God expressed, God showed how much he loved us By coming for us, by coming to earth, living a perfect life, laying down his life, taking sin and death into himself so we have life, we have forgiveness, we have restoration, we have reconciliation, we have eternity in heaven, we have heaven on earth. God expressed it by laying down his life on the cross. The cross is real love. That's God's love for you and me, the cross, what he's done for us. And his love, we've just scratched the surface. I've thrown a whole lot at you today, but I could throw a whole lot more because God's love just keeps on getting better and better, greater and greater because God is love. And to know God is to know love. To know love is to know God. And before we think about loving God, loving others, we've got to know this love. We've got to understand. We've got to experience this love. A passage I read earlier that I'm going to pray in a minute, but I'm going to read it to you now. Ephesians three seventeen. This is actually Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. That's a good start. As you trust in him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. I love how expressionate that is. You it, know, it, it reads as it can't be contained. It's so high, it's so wide, so long, you just can't contain it. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Like I said, we're never going to be able to define God and His love. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Very few people in this world probably feel complete. Because you always want more, you always need something else, you always need to change something, but we're complete when we know, when we've experienced God's love. I love how it says understand and experience. I think they're both at play. And we do both through a number of ways. We do it through the Word. Understand and experience each other. You know one of the greatest ways you experience God's love is someone else. And the greatest way someone else will experience God's love is, is you. We do it from someone speaking. We do it from so many ways. We can do it from nature. Uh, but we do it from the Holy Spirit, which is really God's presence on earth. So when anything comes to life, it's the Holy Spirit. But I love how you experience it and understand it. It means you feel it. You know, when you have peace, you feel it in your body. You're not just, it's not just a box ticked in your mind. Yes, everything's okay. La di da. No, you feel peace. Joy, it's not like, I'm happy. And you feel joy. And love is a bit like that. God's love is you, you feel it, you experience it, you understand it and they go hand in hand. And that's the incredible thing about worship is it speaks to something else in us. God wants to speak to our left and right side of our brains. Understand, experience God's love. And, and again, God's love is incredible. It encompasses all of peace, of joy, of closeness, of safety can't be defined. And the Holy Spirit brings it, because Holy Spirit is God's presence on earth. Jesus said, it's better that I leave, that the Holy Spirit comes. So right now, as we worship, as we pray together, God can help us understand and experience God's love corporately, but individually. So Tim's struggling and stressed, so God helps him experience his love through peace. Uh, Sarah, hey, God... Unpacks a, a passage from the Bible in her mind so she understands it more. Peter's full of joy. Esther senses the closeness of God. You can do it individually and corporately. To be Christ like is to love God, love each other. And that, that sums it up pretty well. I think Jesus summed it up pretty well when he said, I've summed it up. Funny about that. But it starts with knowing and experiencing God's love. And we've never arrived. We've never worked it all out. We've never figured it out. Because to figure out, to work out, to know God's love is to figure, to work out and know God. I think there's always more. So we can have the team up, that'd be great. We're going to come around time of communion. There's some communion packs in the seats in front of you, if you're visiting. And in there is a bit of biscuit and juice. And and we get this from when Jesus taught us to do this in remembrance of him. Biscuit to represent his body, a juice to represent his blood that was shed on the cross. Because the cross is real love. The cross is real love. We have it here. The cross is real love. That God came selflessly, sacrificially, laid down his life for you and me. And his love is so great that it unifies, it brings life. We can never explain it. This whole message has basically been a communion message. (laughs) Because the cross is love and God is love. And the cross is how God expresses that love. So when you're ready, I want you to eat and drink. And this is a symbol of maybe something we are doing inwardly. And I want you to reflect on God's love. Take a moment and just take it in. Let Him speak to you. Let's do that now, just whenever you're ready. Don't rush it. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Heaven, come in this place. Pray for your perfect love, God. Holy Spirit. We're going to worship for a little bit now, and we're we're running, I'm going to say, we have lots of time. And worship's so powerful. From a practical view, and I think it's god on, it speaks for another part of our brain and emotions, but what it does, it turns our attention to who God is off of us, onto His love, onto who He is. And I'm going to pray this prayer and I'm going to pray as we worship together that we're going to understand and experience His love. And as we do this, we're going to dim the lights in a minute. And I'm going to ask you if you want to receive a new prayer, we'd love to pray with you. That might mean just standing out to the side, out to the front, giving someone a nudge. I don't, whatever you're comfortable with. But remember, we're unified. We're unified. And and sometimes the greatest experience and understanding of love I've had is from someone else praying for me or speaking to me. I believe everyone here is going to leave today with a greater understanding, a greater experience of God's love. That's what I'm believing for. I'm believing the Holy Spirit's here because the Word says He is. I'm believing God's here. I'm believing there's an open heaven. And so if God puts on your heart, if you want to just be prayerful I'd love you just to come out the front. We've got a bit of a, a team. Maybe in your seat. Uh, let's just experience. Let's just understand. Let's just come and meet with our perfect Father. Let's come boldly and confidently into the presence of God. I wonder if, if you're able, why don't you stand? And I'm just going to pray this prayer. And then let's start with our praise the name after you've already started another song but we're going to start with that one because we're going to start by going back to the cross because remember the cross is real love and we're going to declare it we're going to remember it we're going to honour, worship think of God because that cross is love that cross is selfless that cross is sacrificing God we, we meet together today We honour you. We're so thankful for you. And we pray this prayer the Apostle Paul wrote down in the book of Ephesians. We pray it over our church right now. We pray it over every individual here, every single person. And I pray, let it be in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that Christ will make his home in our hearts as we trust in you. God, I pray that our roots will grow down into God's love and it will keep us strong. And God, I pray that we have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep your love is. And God, I pray that may we experience this perfect love because sometimes and often it is too great, it is too perfect, it is too big to understand fully. And God, I declare, I prophesy that when we understand, when we experience this love, we will be made complete in the name of Jesus with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. We declare it, let it be in the name of Jesus. Amen.